Good morning, everyone. My name is JD. I'm one of the pastors on team at Pineland Covenant Church. Please join me in prayer. Good morning, everyone. My name is JD. I'm one of the pastors on team at Pineland Covenant Church. Please join me in prayer this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we're grateful for your faithfulness to us in another week. We come before you as your people, gathered together in separate places, but united in your love. Lord, we are thankful for the gift of community. We are thankful for the ways you love us. God, I pray that you would encourage each of us this morning in the ways that we need. Help us to see light in the midst of our darkness. Help us to find hope in the midst of our despair. We love you, God. We give ourselves to you. We open our hearts to you in all of these things. In your name we pray. Amen. Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Psalms, chapter 77, verses 1 through 15. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and I would not be comforted. I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated, and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart meditated and my spirit asked, Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? Then I thought, To this I will appeal, the years when the Most High stretched out his right hand. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. Good morning, everybody. Uh, Before we get started, I just want to say that if you need to ask for help for anything right now, uh, whether it's uh, financial or or spiritual or emotional or practical in some other way, please ask. Please ask for help. Uh, That's why we're here. So uh, I just want to say that before we get started. Well, we want to. We're in a place where. Searching for a new normal is uh, a question, and I want to just begin by saying that this, what we're experiencing now in this time, is not a new normal. And uh, let me try to explain that. There was an old normal, and it had some good things about it, and maybe some things that weren't good, and there will be a new normal that is, is coming. But right now we're in between, and so we're living in what... Father Richard Rohr calls in-between or liminal space. And liminal space is when things are unsettled, where uh, you, you have to walk one day at a time and sort of remember to take those steps and remember to breathe, and everything seems new and different. And But here's the hopeful part, is that God, it seems, historically, God has done some of his best work with people in liminal space. And so uh, take that as uh, something to be hopeful for today. The Psalms are often written to people in liminal space. 
or by people who are in liminal space. And uh, something has happened in Israel and things have gotten shaken and there's a new thing and the, the new normal hasn't emerged yet. And people are forced to trust God in a deeper way. So that's where we find ourselves. Uh, and the Psalms are also full of emotions f- from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows. And in translating that into a, a, something in our world, we might think of emojis that all of the emojis that we might use in social media, I think you would find some version of them in the Psalms. And we're going to be using uh, three of those today and in as we go forward into this Psalm, which is Psalm 77. Psalm 77 is a lament. Uh, roughly a third to a half of all the Psalms are called laments, and they're written to people uh, or by people who have lost something, and they're lamenting what they have lost. And the Psalms give us a language for experiencing our loss in a spiritual way. It's really important that we learn how to uh, experience loss. And we'll be talking more about that in the weeks to come. Not just experiencing loss, though, but experiencing hope. And Psalm 77 uh, it is a psalm of lament, but it's a little bit bipolar in that the first half is all about sadness and the second half is, is uh, there's great joy there. And we'll, we'll explore some of that. And so the, the movements in this psalm that we're going to explore, and here's our three emojis, would be starting with a, a sad face, and then we'll go to a happy face, and then we're going to go to a wow face. So sad Happy, wow. And we're just going to walk through um, mostly the first part of the psalm, and we'll get into the second part of the psalm too. But uh, beginning with the, the first part of the psalm, I cried out to the Lord, verse 1. Uh, I cried, or I cried aloud to the Lord, and um, the crying is at night, and it's very intense. It's uh, somebody who can't sleep at night, somebody who is experiencing. Um, uh, what did the psalm says? It's my soul refused to be comforted. My soul refused to be comforted. And he he has tried to bring comfort to his soul, it seems. And, and that we, we can try that. Uh, and it, it's not working. And so the phrase that, that I would want us to think about is, I, I am beside myself. I'm beside myself with sadness. We can be beside ourselves with anything. We can be beside ourselves with joy or any emoji that you might think of, you could be beside yourself with. But to be beside yourself means it's like you step outside of yourself and you look at yourself and there's this emotion that has taken over your life and uh, you you can't control it. And it's that's what you're realizing as you're beside yourself. Uh, we've all experienced it, I think, and... Um, We'll probably experience it again in our lives. So uh, the, I, I don't know if it was the first time I experienced it, but I do have this vivid memory uh, from my childhood. I think I was roughly eight years old, but I had a wonderful uh, childhood. My, my grandparents lived about an hour away on the, uh, on the Pacific Ocean down at Long Beach, Washington. And we would drive down there oftentimes for the weekend, and they had a, a wonderful home right on the ocean, and um, if the weather was nice or, you know, it's just there's just so much to do there as a kid. And it was such a, a happy place. 
And I remember this one particular Sunday night, it was time to go back home, and I was overcome with this feeling. It was so strong, and it was so sad, because that experience that weekend had been so good and so warm and with people that I loved and the people that loved me, and it was just one of those wonderful times in life, and we were going back now, and I had to go to school the next day, and that wasn't my thing. Uh, so I, I can remember that as a, and many times since then where I've had this great feeling of sadness when something was over. And maybe you've experienced that as well. But that is a little bit like being beside yourself with, with sadness. Okay. Then the, uh, the psalmist in verses, in the, uh, verses three to six, he turns to God with his sadness. And you would kind of expect that that would bring some kind of solace. I mean, that's what you would think. And he, he, in verse three, he says, I remember God and I, and we would think something off of a Hallmark card, you know, I experienced great joy that flooded my soul and I experienced comfort or I experienced something wonderful. I, you know, things were bad and then I turned to God and everything got good. But what he says is, I, I remembered you, O God, and I groaned. So, Here's, here's where the Psalms get very raw and uh, authentic. And he's basically saying, God, I, I, I'm in a bad mood and I turned to you and I got into a worse mood. Put it that way. And then he also remembers uh, the good old days, which is something that people do. And, and uh, this is showing signs of somebody who's grieving something. We have no idea what has set him off, what, what's in the background here but it's some kind of a loss. And he's remembering the good old days that were once there. And this is a wave. Those who have been in the grief process, maybe they have lost someone that they loved, but a wave comes over them. A a memory wave comes over them, and it just sets them off. And however wonderful that memory wave is, it amplifies the sadness that is going on now in them as they think back on it. That's what nostalgia does. And it it, it may have been a loss of uh, something that you were really looking forward to. You might be a a senior in high school who was really looking forward to uh, your graduation, the things that go along with being a senior in high school right now. Or it could be something to do with sports. It could be anything. But the most intense form is when we lose a loved one. And uh, as I spoke at at uh, my friend's memorial service a few years ago, I I just remember I remember saying at that service that there's this thing in life that's just not fair. That I, I have this complaint against God, and that is that the more you love someone, the more you love someone, the more pain you're going to experience when they're gone. It doesn't seem fair that as love goes up, that pain would go up too. God, why is that? That's part of my lament, and many can share that lament. So um, that's an experience that is going on in in the psalmist as well. And then uh, to go a little bit more, it, it almost turns into from a sad face into an angry face here. The psalmist is going to do some venting against God or towards God. And remember, this is all a prayer. And um, but in verses seven through nine, he uh, 
asks questions of, of God or about God that are th- theologically edgy. He is, he's asking, is God, is your unfailing love, you know, you're so famous for your unfailing love. Is it failing? God, you are, you're known as a promise keeper, but are you really? Are you going to keep your promises? God, you're known as somebody who is merciful. Oh, are you merciful? Are you going to, are you going to show me favor, Lord? Uh, are you compassionate or are you angry? And you can see that the, the heart of the psalmist is, um, he's just questioning God, wondering who God really is. And so we end up in this place, first nine verses, and we ask the question, well, where is this writer? Where is he within himself? What's going on inside him? And the uh, answers that the commentators give are things like depression, uh, or at least he's in a very dark mood. And I'm not sure how you distinguish between the two. And the other thing that you read is self-pity. Eugene Peterson said he's having a pity party. And uh, whenever we're having a pity party, uh, if you can identify that, you know you're not in your best place. So he's not in a good place. He's in a sad place. And um, then something happens, though, in the psalm in verses 10 and 11. I'll read those for you. It'll be up on the, on the screen. In verse 10, Then I thought, to this I will appeal, the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. And that seems to, um, if you, as you read the rest of the psalm, it seems to set him off on a, uh, a happy face sort of trajectory. And the other thing you'll notice is that in the psalm, he, the, all of the pronouns in the first nine verses are all about himself. It's all I, I, I. It's, it, Surround, it surrounds him, it's his pain. And in the second half of the psalm, it's all you, you, you. And he's speaking to God. And so he's, he's taken the eyes off of himself, and off of his darkness and self-pity, and he's put his eyes onto the Lord. And it's a beautiful thing, right? That's a, 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 an amazing move, if you can make that move spiritually. Um, it'll, it'll change everything. But I have a problem with that, and I want to share that with you, and uh, uh, hopefully my problem will uh, show more light uh, on the psalm and um, what's going on maybe in in us. And here's the problem I have is that I feel like I'm watching a movie where things get resolved too quickly, where the plot goes faster than the character development. When when that happens in a movie... uh, I just, I don't know, it bugs the heck out of me when that happens. So um, I have this theory that something there had to have happened uh, between verses 9 and 10. Something, and I want to try to fill in that blank. That's my urge here is to help explain that because that 
Well, part of the reason I'm saying this is because I've been around people who've been depressed, and I've experienced a taste of depression myself. And it's not something that you just change easily. Uh, it doesn't, like, a, like a, a plot, it doesn't get resolved easily. There's a lot that goes into it. And so I want to uh, pause here for a moment over this gap. And um, when you think about depression, if we have a person who's truly depressed here, what happens to a person depressed? And um, it, it, they, they're, they're so dark inside, they get so dark inside themselves that they can't even imagine what light looks like. And uh, think about in our series a few months ago on uh, addictions. And one of the things that happens in an addiction is that the will, the human capacity to choose, gets shrunk down very, very small. And so it's really, really difficult for someone in an addiction to to choose to get out of it. uh, And therefore they need extra outside resources to do so. And that's what, uh, what, you know, groups are about, AA is about, and uh, the higher power of God coming into that is about. Um, So with depression, our will gets shrunk down. There's, I've seen people who literally cannot get out of bed and they just can't imagine life beyond their bed. Their world gets so small, so shrunk down, their options get so few. And um, so what I would imagine may be happening in this uh, psalm is that some a friend calls him up and says, I'm going to be at your house in 15 minutes. Get your running clothes on. We're going to go running together. And then we're going to have coffee together. And we're going to sit together and we're going to talk together. You don't have an option. I'm telling you what to do. I've experienced that one. So... Um, I know that that's the kind of thing that is is required. You need somebody, typically, a, another human being, to come along beside you and help you get out of that muck and mire that you are stuck in. I want to I want to share a story about uh, from years ago about a guy named Biff. He was a friend, and and I I think everybody needs a friend named Biff. How's that? Just to cheer you up. And Biff was truly a cheery-up kind of person. He was, um, in in the four personality types, that sort of paradigm, he would be sanguine, meaning super positive and uh, super uh, encouraging and always asking, you know, how can I pray for you? And he yeah, had this kind of energetic voice. And uh, I'm, I'm a little bit more on the melancholy side. So I, anyway, I, I really enjoyed being around Biff. And... Um, he was a, kind of a big guy, and he had kind of big hair. And uh, and he, he sort of came across as maybe a hippie. But his story was that before he, this was before he became a Christian, he was a banker. And I always thought, man, how does it, how do, you know, he said, well, my hair was short, and I wore a suit and all the rest. But just the idea of Biff being a banker, and I'm, not, I'm thinking, now, who would want to have a banker named Biff? Just doesn't it doesn't quite fit, but at any rate, he he was no longer a banker. He was uh, doing other things, and he was my friend, and and uh, he he loved Jesus. But one day, I ran into Biff on the street, and he seemed a little down, 
And uh, I asked him how he was doing, and he said, I've been sick for like two weeks, three weeks, quite a while. And he, he said, just straight out said to me, he says, and I cannot pray. I am sick. And we all know that about ourselves, I think, that our bodies affect our emotions, and our emotions affect our spirituality, where, you know, it's all connected. And he was just saying, I can't pray. I don't know what it is. And he says, will you pray for me? And I remember praying for him on that street there uh, back in Olympia in the 1980s. And I, I share that that story because we get into these places where we just get stuck and we need another person to come along. And Biff was that person for me a lot, but I was able to be that person for him on that day. I think, just my theory, is that something like that happens between verse 9 and 10. You don't just go from super sad to super happy, from the sad face to the happy face without something like that. So let's go now to the wow face, and um, we'll, we'll end with this. So what the psalmist does is he reflects on, he remembers what God has done in Israel's history, the great miracle of the Old Testament, by far the great miracle, is the parting of the Red Sea. It is, it is the miracle upon which all of the miracles are uh, compared to, and none of them are as big as that. It's, it's God taking people from the old normal, Egypt, into the new normal, which is going to eventually be the promised land, And in between, in that liminal space where you have to totally trust God, is this intense experience for the whole nation to experience this miracle of walking through the Red Sea. And you walk through by faith. The sea does not part until you walk into it. And so they walk into it, they walk through it. The nation experiences that. And Israel is to have that miracle embedded in their history from generation to generation. They are to remember that is the great miracle uh, and to reflect upon. Uh, it's who God is. And so as he reflect, as the psalmist here reflects on this, this is probably written a thousand years later or whatever, but it's, it's long after. But his heart is renewed as he reflects on that miracle. Well, uh, that's a wow. And um, then we have a, a bigger wow in the New Testament that is the Red Sea experience of the New Testament only amplified, and that would be in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So the the death of Christ, as Jesus enters into death, he walks through this liminal space called death. He really is dead for the, the three days, and then he is raised up to a new normal, that resurrection life that he invites us into and uh, we can experience resurrection life even in the life that we live now not the fullness of it that's still in the future that will be the new the true new normal Uh, that's the hope and promise that is out there for us in in the future but we get tastes of it now and so we have hope as we live out these days and just to expand on that that Egyptians are invited into that now. So it's the whole world uh, has this hope in Christ. Beautiful, bigger wow. And that's what we celebrated last week on Easter. 
But I want to go back, back down to earth here. And, and there's a third wow that is here for us in this psalm and is very helpful. Because as we read this psalm, we don't know what the loss was that he was experiencing, the writer, um, as it starts out. We don't know why he was sad. And we're, like I shared, we're not exactly sure how he got, you know, what, what, what that difference is between verse 9 and 10, how that changed so much. But what we do know uh, is that there wasn't, at least from what we can read here, there's nothing outwardly that, it, that changes. All of the changes that come to him in the psalm, this kind of bipolar nature, are changes within him, within his person. And that is such a huge thing for us to grab onto, that our circumstances don't have to change for us to grab onto that hope. It's there for us in the midst of our life today. This virus is going to be around for a while, and we can have as great a hope now as we, as we will someday when it's over. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. We have taste of the resurrection now. We have hope. We have the light that comes into the darkness now. It's today. It's now. It's right now. And it's just, it's that close to us to ask for it, to receive it from each other as we help each other get through these times. And so we live with great hope. And that is a wow. It's a big wow. And what I'd like to do right now is pray. Father, thank you for the hope that is for us. And may we have a great sense of, of wow as we think about the possibilities for having more light and life, even in these dark days that seem dark at least. And Lord, do your best work in us today, we pray. We pray that there would be doors of the heart that maybe have been closed that would be pried open so that you could do your work in us. And through us, Lord, as we're extra sensitive to those people around us who may be experiencing darkness, that we might come along them, we might call them up and be that voice of hope that gets them to a better place. And to the world, Lord, that is hurting all around us, we pray, Lord, as people who have faith, as people who know that there is life beyond what we can see, and we ask for your kingdom to come, your light to come into this, into the dark places. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.